Hello and welcome to the Cornerstone College Ministry Podcast. My name is Blake and I am the college pastor at Stillwater Bible Church. This is where we post all of our lessons that we have throughout the week. We are a college ministry where we desire to be a ministry full of mature believers who are helping believers to mature. You're joining us for our study of the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll dive into this book where the key phrase is under the sun. We'll look at the vanity of life when we have the wrong perspective on it. I hope you enjoy as we go through this book verse by verse. Um, so there's not only is there oppression, but there's also there's no one to comfort the people who are being oppressed. So you can grab it at them, right? Which makes sense logically, right? You're like, okay, if the world of the living is this bad, well then people who are dead don't experience anymore. Right? At least they're just freed from this. Even more than that, right? better off than both of them is the one who has never existed. Never been born or just never existed at all. Right? Never seen the evil act of done in the sun. Those who just didn't, aren't. Okay? Didn't exist. <coughs> um, remember, this is our key phrase that we have here, is under the sun. Why is that the key phrase? <coughs> Yeah, his entire perspective that Solomon has here is this idea and this perspective of under the sun, right? What's above the sun? Like, well, there's no put down in space, but right. But think about like this thing, like, like above, outside of that is God, right? So this this supernatural, right? The things aren't just in the natural world around us. That's where he says, better off. Never existed. It appears that evil activity is done under the sun, single under the sun, right? With God, what do we know that changes the, the mentality we have on this? There's an afterlife. There's a what? There's an afterlife, so yeah. this isn't the end. This isn't the end. It isn't just that, like, well, you're dead, and it's like, okay. There's some people, right, people who have not placed their faith in Christ, it's a free gift of eternal life, right? But so, uh, Christ says... Um, uh, anyone who believes in Christ has eternal life that moment, never perish, uh, but is passed out of death into life. And so we believe in Christ and we have eternal life the moment we believe, we'll be with him forever. And people who don't take that free gift, right, don't believe in Christ, the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father except through him, John 14, 6. They don't take that. What happens whenever they're dead? Is it better than what they're seeing around them? Like, not better actually. So from the worldly perspective, it seems like, oh yeah, be better if I was just dead, right? But if you're gonna be separated from God, who's the author of everything that is good for all of eternity, you're not gonna to want to be dead, right? It's not gonna be better at all. Um, even Paul talks about how um, to live as Christ to die as gain, right? He's like, I'm gonna be with Christ when I die. So if I die, great, right? I'm gonna be with God. So good. Um, <laughs> but to live as Christ, right? To live means I get to serve you guys, I get to love you guys, and actually get more rewards for doing that if I'm doing that um, as I'm here on earth. So from the worldly perspective, from under the sun, um, we see that this idea of um, it's it's better off if it just never exists. But we know that there is good, right? Is there good even in this world? Yeah, there's good things we can experience. That's, what, that's Solomon's kind of point here, that there is a bunch of bad stuff that we see, but there also is good to be enjoyed. It's a gift of God. And we know that that good isn't just a temporary good, but also eternal good, right? There's a, a goodness of being with God forever that we can experience. And so, this is better on both of them, right? This is the this is the logical end to a worldly view. So I'm going to zoom in here and say, 
This is the logical end to a worldly view point. Um, which is basically better off dead, right? Does that sound morbid? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, we sometimes, I think, forget the hope that God gives us. That we actually have a hope for living. Or the world, if you really follow it down logically, there is no hope, right? We came from animals, we're coming back. We're just we're the same, right? We're a little bit different because we do different things, right? Came from animals, and there is no afterlife, there's no eternity, there is no anything, right? We're just kind of here, and there's pain. So why experience pain? There's no hope in life. And we forget that we actually have a much different worldview than the world has. Because we know that there is hope, that there is good, that there is a reason to live. God made us for a purpose, right? And he has given us things to live out that purpose here on earth. So it's a much different than the, the logical end of the worldly view. And so what should our application be? Don't have a worldly view, right? What did you say? Don't be in a hurry to die, right? Also, maybe share the hope that we have, right? Like, if this is the logical end of the world of you, a lot of people get to this point. Right? A lot of people do. Where they say, it's better off others' day. Right? It's, the truth is that, like, suicide is a big thing. And it's a logical end to their worldview. But we have a hope that says you you are infinitely loved, right? No matter what anybody around you tells you, you're the person who created you, who knows you the best, loves you infinitely. And they have a purpose for you. They want to be with you forever. And they have a purpose for you in this life, right? They have a purpose for you to live to glorify them. And he's given you the things you need to do that as well. And so we have a really good hope that we forget is actually a hope sometimes, I think, as believers. And so, yeah, maybe we should share the hope that we have, that this is the thing that we see in the world here, um, but that our hope is different than that. Does that make sense? Any thoughts, questions? Yeah. to this being that the best thing is just to eat, drink, and be merry, and to have pleasure in one's work. I find that very much like uh, what parents would say to you when you're like, I really do not like this chore I have to do, and it's like, you just have to look at it face the opposite. You just got to learn to take joy in it. It's very much a thing that parents would say to you. Yeah. It's like, enjoy the labor that you have, right, on the other side. That's what Solomon's saying that. It's like, okay, He's realizing this, but ultimately, um, his end to Ecclesiastes, this is like the, the pits of Ecclesiastes, right? Which is like all Ecclesiastes, but the end of it says, nothing better than whenever you're young, right? Just enjoy your work and remember God at the end of your youth, right? Remember that like you would have to give an account to him that he is good. He's given us everything good that we have. So, um, yeah, enjoy that. You can, the, the vanity is not that the things being done of vanity at all times, it's talking about the attitude we have behind them is vanity, right? To be so worked up and angry about these things, it's like, 
it's gonna be that way, right? I'm gonna have to dust over and over. I have to mow the lawn over and over again. Getting mad about it is stupid, right? It's just, it's a reality, it's a fact, right? And so you just might as well enjoy what you're able to enjoy. It's kind of this point. So. Um, all right, so we're gonna go on. There's only three verses in. I've seen every labor, oh, okay, there's an astronaut in the way. I've seen every labor and every skill is done as a result of rivalry between a man and his neighbors, right? Uh, this tool was vanity and striving after wind. Remember, that was one of our key phrases we saw, was striving after wind, which means like chasing the wind. Anybody here ever try to chase the wind? Like, not metaphorically, but like actually? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just I was like, maybe, and then actually, oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> right. um, and so vanity and striving after the wind. You chase the wind, are you going to catch it? No. No, right. Just not like a tornado. Um, or a dust devil, because we're in the middle of a dust devil. Those things are intense, but yeah, they're fun. Um, so I've seen every labor, every skill done as a result of rivalry. This is just vanity, right? It's driving after the wind. It's, it's like a vapor. Remember, this word kind of has this idea like a vapor. It's just passing away. Just smoke. Passing away. Um, because what are you going to do, right? Um, you try to make sure that you have the best. This is literally, okay. I don't know how to spell this, but... Um, keeping up with the Joneses. This is the Jones. Keep with the Jones. <laughs> Jones. Jones. It's not an apostrophe. It's, not, it's, not, it's like a, with the Jones. Well, you are an English major, so we will trust you 100%. Um, Keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like literally, like I want to be good enough for this. And it's not even just like I want to have a new car because my neighbor had a new car, but like I want to be good at my job to be better than this person, right? To rival them. I want to um, have a certain fit, right, so that I can have a better fit than the person next to me on the train. We have trains still on. Um, but any, any, anything, right? Every labor and every skill. Like, I want to be the best at what I'm going to be doing, right? Whether it be a hobby, or whether it be like art, whether it be your schoolwork, whether it be whatever it is, I want to be the best at it. But that's the result. Every labor, every skill is rival with a man and his neighbor. <coughs> um, do you all see this in the world? Oh, yeah, right? A whole bunch. And so it's like, okay, what then, right? What do, I, what do we do? Well, should we just give up? It's like, you know what? Forget it. I don't want to do anything then, right? Oh, verse 5. Um, the fool always has to consume his own flesh, right? And so just saying, okay, everything's just a result of, of this, and I'm going to be better than that. I'm just going to give it up, right? Forget it. I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to be rot rival mm. Rivalrous? Rivalrous? Chivalrous? Uh, no, um, I don't want to have rivalry going everything and stuff. Or maybe it's I can't win, I can't become better, so I just give up, right? Um, the fool folds his, and not only just like folds his hands and is dumb or is a fool, but consumes his own flesh. It's actually against him because he. What happens if you just don't do anything? Do you eat? Do you have money for food? No, right? Like you don't actually you don't actually succeed in life, and you actually. Are, it's harming yourself, right? And so he says, basically, don't go too far. Is what he's saying here. Um, like, okay, I understand that you don't want to be just a result of rivalry, 
but don't go too far and just say, I give up on doing anything, either because I don't want to be rivalry or because I can't win. Um, and so then he has kind of the, the extreme, right? The extreme of, I'm not doing anything. And then the next extreme is two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. And so the in-between, the golden where we want to be, is right here. One handful of rest is better than two fistfuls of labor and striving after the wind. One handful of rest. Anybody here like to um, do work and take a break and then do work and go back and forth, right? Um, anybody here like to just do your work while watching a TV show or something like that, or you do a lesson, something like that, something like that right? Um, how well does it normally go whenever you're watching something as well as doing homework? Not as good, right? Not as good as all. I, I really got into that whenever I was in college. I'd be doing like thermodynamics to homework and be like, this is boring. How about like psych episode, right? And like watch that and just be like, Okay, back to this. Okay, back to this. And like, I was, it would go so much longer than if I just did the work and then watched a cycle episode, right? A handful of work and a handful of rest. Not trying to meddle the two together to make some sort of hybrid. And then I'm never actually resting. I'm constantly working and resting together, right? And so he says, one handful of rest is better than two fistfuls of labor. So, handful of rest, handful of labor, right? Work hard, play hard, ultimately, we say. Um, who's the first person to say this? <laughs> no, but yeah, like, don't just try to mix them. He's like, just rest fully and work fully. And don't work so much that you don't have time to rest. Make sure you have time to rest. Does that make sense? Do we see that? So the extreme of um, just, you know what? I'm done. I give up. Just don't do that, right? This is your own flesh. And then you're striving after the wind to have two fistful of labor, always going all the time, always working, right? There's people who make us feel bad for resting at all, right? He says it's foolishness, right? To just work all the time and never rest. Never enjoy the life that we've been given here on earth. And so he says enjoy the life. So that's kind of the in-between is one handful of rest. Oh, um, is one handful of rest um, better than two fistful of labor. So. Cool. Um, moving on. Then I looked up vanity under the sun. Okay, here we have it again. Under the sun, vanity. It's not. This is straight. You can't see it, can you? There you go. Um, there's a certain man, just a man, with no dependent. What was a dependent? Someone who's dependent on you. Yes, like a son or a brother, maybe, right? Yeah. No dependent, having neither son or a brother. Um, yet there was no end to all his labor, right? Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, which is part, it's in, well, it is in, uh, italics is not necessarily in the Hebrew, but it's implied in the Hebrew. Uh, his eyes, um, we're never satisfied with riches, and he never asked, and for whom am I laboring? And depriving myself of pleasure. This too is vanity and a grievous task. Right? So he's working super, super hard all this time, and he has no one to share it with. He's working two fistfuls of, of labor, right? Always working, and there's no companionship. There's not no, no one laboring for. And so we see that there's some good within working for something. Right? Working for something. There's some good within it. 
supposed to be something. This is like something working for them. Sorry. Um, which should go out? Um, so some good that we have there. But he has instead chosen just straight up work. We're going to see this whole section here from verse 4 all the way down really to verse 12. It is all about chasing possessions is stupid. Is, is the gist of it, right? Chasing possessions, right? This whole section of the dream. Chasing possessions is stupid. He's chasing all these possessions, all these things. He has no one to do it for, right? He has no rest either. This is a private little pleasure for no purpose. Vanity and a grievous task. Two are better than one because they have a good return for labor. Okay, so instead of being just on your own, having two is better. You have a better return to labor. You're working together. You're able to get things back more, right? Just, that's why those businesses not just a whole bunch of single entrepreneurs in the world, right? You have a whole business and stuff. More people around and stuff. If either of them falls, one will lift up his companion. But what are the one who falls? There's no one there to lift him up. If you fall down and you're alone, how do you feel? Alone. <laughs> what if you fall down and your friend's next to you? Yeah. Embarrassed, <laughs> but like, ha that was funny. All right, let's get that for you, right? What if you're like on campus and you're walking by yourself and you just bite the dust, right? You're going to be like... I gotta go home now, right? And just like run away. Um, it's funny. Someone's like, just goes. Um, but say you're like with a group of your friends and you fall down, and they're like, "What the heck are you doing? Get up!" Right? Like uh, you laugh and you keep going. Right? It's better. So life is better with people around. Is what he's saying. Um, if one falls, someone lifts him up. What if one falls, another's not there to lift him up. This is just talking about like the we're talking about like the fun part of like you just trip. But like, what if you're really doing something hard, right, really hard, and you fall down, you don't know if you can get back up. And you're just alone. Right? You're gonna, that might be the end for you. But if there's someone there to help you, right, you can encourage each other and lift each other up. And I think about spiritual life, right, if you go through something really hard and you have a big failure, right, you don't have anyone there to help you, to pick up the pieces or to lift up if something bad happens, it's going to be rough. You have someone around you, right, it's a lot better. So companionship, having people around is good, he's saying. And here he talks about how, um, this is for like all the two-year-olds in the room. Um, sharing is better than hoarding. Um, like two are the ones because they have better return for their labor, right? Either of them falls, can lift each other up, all these things. Um, so chasing possessions and alienating yourself because of your labor is stupid. That's what he's saying. It's foolishness. It goes on and says, Furthermore, if two of them together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Now, what you might be thinking, two lie down together. Right? But like, literally. Right? Like, who was it? Luke Skywalker had to do what? To stay warm in the middle of <laughs> or whatever? Like, cut open a llama that was human <laughs> and get inside, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's basically it. Um, like, he could not stay warm. Is someone else going to be able to stay warm? Um, a llama. <laughs> <laughs> um, Digitary. What's the so, actually, there's a, 
near the Cowboy Travel Plaza by I-35. There's a petting zoo now. What? Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. That. Although they're like, stay away from the bars. Um, so I don't know how it's called a petting zoo. You can actually pet them. And they have like a longhorn in there. And they're like, stay three feet back. And I got up and was walking over. And he was by the bar and I like, looked. And it's like literally three feet out from the bar was like his horn coming out. I was like, oh, so that's how you pet him. Yeah. So you're just like, hey. Um, no, but they had like llamas and alpacas or something. Other so goats and mules and all that stuff. But anyway, so that's what I mean. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can always keep warm. That's how it's able to happen. Um, if one can, if one can overpower him as alone, two can resist him, right? Someone comes and tries to jump you, but you got two of you there. Like your your buddy shows up, and like, oh man, they're, they're out of there, right? A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not marriage. This isn't in the context of marriage. A quarter of three strands is not quickly torn apart. No, no, it is not. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it interesting. People use this so many times. Like, oh, we want this to be said in our um, in our in our wedding because a quarter of strands is not easily broken. It's talking about like you got you got two wheel buddies with you, ain't nobody gonna take you down, right? It's ultimately what's happening. Not like you, your spouse, and God three quarter of three strands. It's like not even not even a part of this context at all, right? And so. Look at the context, the verses you want. <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, no. Um, I'm about marriage. So, what we see is um, that ultimately, especially if you're pursuing things at the expense of relationships, it's vanity. Like, what point is there? There really is no point. You're just alone. And so, here's what he's saying people. Things that make sense? Do you feel that way? Sometimes. <laughs> Most times, right? And they're like, yeah, but I mean, when you're talking about like cheesecake, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you think about like some things, right? We might be like, yeah, but I mean, if I choose between this person and this thing, I mean, I He's talking about companionship and how important it is. So this is kind of his conclusion. He's like, look, look at how terrible it is. He starts it off with what? With oppression, right? Oppression, and there's no one there to comfort them, right? He's just like, basically, all this work is done is a rivalry. And then if you're doing it, especially if you're doing work at the expense of relationships, and no one to comfort you, and no one to be there with you, do things, it's done. So make sure that you prioritize people, right? How long do people last? Sounds weird. Um, how long do people exist for? Yes. Eternity, right? Like they have eternal souls. How long do things last? No, right? Like this iPad will not last forever. Like in, I don't even know how many years, a thousand years, all it's going to be left is like the home button. I don't know. In uh, a thousand years, I'm going to be looking my best, right? Um, and so. Yeah, it's like these things will last forever. So invest in the things that actually do last. So now he goes on. Kind of with this scenario. It's really interesting. He says, a poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king. I like the word lad. Um, king who no longer knows how to receive instruction. Okay, whoa. First of all, right here we see something. A poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king. No, not, no longer knows how to receive instruction. So... 
Therefore, you receive instruction to be wise. Right? So, therefore, receive instruction to be wise. That makes sense? How hard is it to receive instruction? Yes. Um, Ikea. No. Um, like, instruction isn't like, hey, I think you're doing this wrong. Here's how you should be doing it better. Or, hey, I saw you sinning. Right? So then you go, hey, you're doing this really hard work. I think you should do it differently. Right? Is that easy to hear? No. No. Right? But it compares a foolish king who does not know how to receive instruction with a wise lad who knows how to, or someone who is wise. And so, wisdom is being able to receive instruction well. Make sure that we're, we're humble in that. Um, for he's come out of prison to become king, even though he was born poor in his kingdom. I've seen all the uh, living under the sun throng to the side of the second ladder of prison. There's no end all people all before them, even those who come later, I'm happy for him. Excuse me, enemy. But what is happening here, right? So here's what's happened. Oh, whoop, that's the uh, logic. Um, we have a poor yet wise lad, right? A wise guy. And I think this. Is going whoops oh no. This is going over here. He was born poor in his kingdom, but he becomes king. Right? So this guy, um, ultimately, he was born poor in his kingdom. He became king out of prison, right? And he's the second lad. Because the first one was this guy, the foolish king, right? Doesn't know how to receive instruction. And he was replaced, right? Replaces him. And so this poor lad is better, right? Because he's wise. He came out of prison. He became king. And all the living under the sun, right? All the living under the sun, um, thrown with the side of the second lad. So this wise person, he became king out of prison. He's now king. The old foolish king is done away with and replaced, right? <coughs> and they're like, good. Wise person, the wise poor person, the underdog story, became king. Great. And then he goes on. There is no end to all the people, to all who are before them, and even the ones who come later will not be happy with. Do we? Well, with him, right? Very happy with him. Eventually, there's going to be a new ruler. And he's going to be replaced. So, no ruler fully satisfies the people. So, oops. <laughs> Do we see this happening? And maybe like, our nation. We finally got this guy. Well, maybe the next person, right? We got them. Okay, maybe the next person, right? No one ever fully satisfies, right? No ruler is like, this person is good. We never want anything about them to ever change, right? There's always like, yeah, but there's this new person, right? Or what happens is they get old, right? And then it's like, well, they can no longer have a king, right? They either died or got old. And then die, like Queen Elizabeth, right? Like she's gone. Um, but she just got old. 
And so she's gone. So now there's another old person in her space. Um, but like no ruler fully satisfies the people. They're never able to always satisfy. And so while we see this great story, this great underdog story right here, it just kind of, um, it just kind of ends right there. Because, but then there's more people and they're never satisfied and they want someone else eventually. So what are you going to do? What are y'all's thoughts? Any thoughts on this short little chapter that we did today? I think it's cool how it shows the one who comes out of prison and then becomes king. I think that's cool how it shows that somebody who is in prison can become king. And I think it's a could be used as a way of how God uses anyone, even somebody who's messed up a lot. That happened like twice, right? Like three times in history. No. In the Bible, even. We have who was Joseph, right? Mm -hmm. Joseph was like in prison and then became like second only to the Pharaoh. Um, Potiphar? Pharaoh? Pharaoh. Eventually Pharaoh, yeah. Um, he was in prison and then got to that status, right? He was able to do a lot for Israel. Um, and then we have uh, Daniel, right, who was in prison and then was not in prison. Yeah. Then he interpreted Daniel and stuff. Um, Anyways, they're very similar. Um, but, and then he was able to get to a good position with the king. So, uh, and I had someone else, but I don't know who it was. That wasn't what I was thinking. Either way, right? God can use people um, that are bad, that are terrible, that are in prison to do, to do great things. So that's why a lot of people will be like, ah, I've done too much. God can't use me. It's like, first of all, how dare you think God can't do something? Um, came something good with you, right? Um, also, God has you here for a reason, right? You are still here. And he wants to use you while you're here. He doesn't care about what you've done. He's paid for all the sins that have all, all happened. All the sins you will do, he's paid for it. He cares about, okay, now what are you going to do? Right? What are you going to do from now on? So, Paul. Paul, yeah. Any other thoughts on this? Questions I'll have on chapter four? I'll say <laughs> what part stuck out to you all the most? I like the part about um, not giving you my feelings right now. <laughs> yeah. Do we feel like people in our culture err towards the side of two fistfuls of labor at the expense of relationships? It's doggy dog world out there. Right? It's not. It's not personal. It's business, right? That kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if it's ever been said to you all personally, <laughs> but in the movies, at least, right? It's like it was always a very personal feeling that came from after they said it's not personal, it's just business. Um, and it's like okay, but if you're being at the expense of relationships for what you're doing, right? Maybe it isn't worth it. Maybe getting another, how much money, right, isn't worth ruining the relationship with person. Thoughts? Like, I'm sleeping in this chapter, and it's like, it's like getting married to 
We feel like it's an attack on ourselves. I think a lot of times, whenever someone's like, hey, you should do this differently. It's like, what do you mean? You think I'm a failure? Right? Not really. We don't say that. But I, maybe kind of the, what kind of comes up within ourselves, like, no, I'm doing it fine. I'm doing it right. Like, too much pride in what we're doing and stuff. Um, but in all reality, it's better to receive instruction. Because sometimes it's actually good instruction. What? Crazy. Start to get past the you're wrong and just like just feeling like it. If you admit to that, it's just like oh, I'm a terrible person now. Yeah. Right. Uh, verse four, we're talking about like doing things out of a rivalry, just by trying to one up someone. It's better to how I don't know. I think that's a really interesting just how kind of the person comes from. Yeah. Really, you just be like, well, they're doing this, so I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And I need to, you know, get ahead. Yeah. And what happens when you get ahead? Then they're good. <laughs> yeah, and then you're there. And <laughs> you become president of the United States. Right? And then what? And then you got there, right? You're there. No one else higher than you. Right? You just kind of get it. There's no actual real lasting rewards of this. Right? I about that last week that we talked about, or two weeks ago maybe. He was talking about all of the um, work that he did, right? He made these uh, vineyards for himself, and these great houses, and these gardens, and built all these things, great, these great monuments, all these things. God all had this great pleasures that he got all this stuff. And then what was his reward? He felt good. He's like, yeah, that was fun. This is vanity, right? I got here. I got what I worked for. And I think Gideon brought up Rube Goldberg machines, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to throw this orange at that guy's head, and then that light will turn off in about five minutes because all the different things have to happen to get it over there. Those videos are cool to watch with, like, race cars going and a balloon is pulled and all, like, all kind of stuff. And then it happens. You can take it down, right? And that's the extent of it. It's just like, okay, well... Um, we don't oftentimes see that with our own labor, how that really is what's happening, right? We just get it all there, we get all these things that are going to place, and we got this work really hard, we got it, and we got to where we had it. And it's like, well, this is cool. Maybe that thing will be better, right? And then we go chase that thing instead. And it's like, oh, okay. I don't know how we got to the, oh, and then like, maybe I'll be better than this person, right? And then it's like, okay, cool, well, I got better than this person. Now let's look statewide. Who's the best in the state, right? Maybe they're better than them. Okay, what the nation, right? Like, think about competitive things and stuff. It's like, maybe it's better than whoever else is the next best person. I don't know, it's just vanity. I can't see that more than, I don't know, like there's, there's a spiritual thing that's very competitive about work, but you also, okay, personally, my life, like, oh, I'm doing these things. Work, you know, more money, you know, stuff. 
hopefully the world is like free from COVID as well and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like every single thing you're thinking of, what does that do for them? But so often in Australian college ministry, I've seen people, not even God themselves in college, but get so like analyzing people's spiritual maturity. Where are they at? How much are they serving? I'm doing more than them. Or you get mad because people aren't serving in the same way you're serving and being upset kind of like, why? I'm doing this. Why aren't they doing this? It's, a, it's not a spiritual gift, right? It's a spiritual gift. They would hate doing what you're doing even though they love doing what you're doing and stuff. And it's so easy to just compare other people, right? Like, how are they doing? What are they doing? How much time are they spending in the class? I have an hour class, and they only have a 55 minute class. And it's like, you're kidding me? Really, five minutes? You can't do five minutes. It's like, okay, this is stupid, right? I mean, I, I make fun of that kind of part of it, but really, it's it's something that we, we kind of struggle with. And um, when we stand, like, how many of us are going to stand before Christ? Yes. Everyone, right? Uh, have to give an account of what we've done with our lives, right? Um, are our friends and family going to be around us? And he's like, okay, well, you know, your brother did this good. And he only did this good. So really, he did kind of that. Is that going to happen? No. It's going to be, here's what I gave you. What did you do with it? And that's it. There's no compared to this person or that person. Or, yeah, you did better than all these people. That doesn't matter. I gave you this. So how did you do with it? It'd be easy to be around people maybe who we view as less spiritually active or whatever. And we're like, at least I'm doing better than them, right? So it's not like, you know, out clubbing every night and killing people. Right? Um, it's like, better than that. Um, but then God's like, no, but you, I gave you stuff to do way better than that. I gave you stuff to do way more than that. So how are you being faithful with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, comparison rivalry. At the same time, people have the opposite thing where they always feel like they're not doing as well as they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they want perfection, how many of us are going to be perfect? No, I'm sure question. No. Um, we're going to be perfect, yes, eventually, right? One day, if we're faith in Christ, then we're given eternal life, right? And we're going to be perfectly perfected with them glorified bodies. But right now in this life, we're not going to be perfect, right? There's not, we're going to mess up. Uh, that's why God has grace. We can have grace and we all up to people that about it, right? And so... Uh, Trying for perfection is like our goal, but not our reachable form, right? We're trying to be more like Christ and deal with our failures better. Ecclesiastes. Anybody feel more down than they did when they came in this morning? Just convicted. Okay, that's good. That's, that's an encouraging down feeling, right? Like I need to live more like, more like Christ. Um, so Solomon kind of went through and he said, look, this is his most negative portion right at the top here. Incredibly negative. And he says, there's so much oppression, it's better to be dead. In fact, it's better not to even exist. Not to have to even experience the evils in this world, right? Every labor is just a rivalry. Everything we talk about, everything we do, every skill that we have, should be better than someone else, right? To, to achieve a better status than someone else. And it's stupid, right? In fact, they work so hard that they're, they're just not even... Um, not even having relationships, right? They're ruining relationships and everything. And people are working really hard sometimes. They don't even have anyone to work for. They have no one around now. No one at all. And uh, it's better to just have people around you, right? A good return for your labor. If you fall, someone's able to lift you up. Whenever you're grieving and oppressed, you have someone to comfort you. You lie down to keep warm. Um, you can not be overpowered. You can fight, ultimately, better. Um, 
And he talks about how there's even this wisdom of like being uh, being wise, right? Taking instruction better. Um, people like so. I think it's gone even further than this, right? People love you, right? And like, yeah, this person's great. This great ruler that we have, they throng to his side. How many companions does he have? Like a whole kingdom full, right? This new ruler has a kingdom full of people who are like, you're great. And then what happens? We want someone new, right? And it's the next person. So it's like, okay. So overall, don't rely on that, right? Even even having all these people around you, they're still going to fail you, right? So the church question is, who doesn't fail us? God, right? Christ. He's always there. He's infinite, which means that he can love you to the maximum, no matter what is happening. He's always there to listen, to be there, to comfort us, no matter what. You can be his favorite because everyone's his favorite because he's infinite, right? Like, that just can happen because he is God. People will fail us, but God will never fail us. And so, turn to him. Like, that's the That's a logical flow. All right, I'll pray. We'll be done. Lord, thank you so much for this book of Ecclesiastes. I pray that as we um, study it more, as we think about it this week, that we would just uh, be more encouraged to live for you, that we would understand that um, there's so much evil in the world that we know that you will right all these wrongs, that you are the comforter, you're the one who's able to comfort us, God. So we turn to you for that, and we turn to others for that. Uh,